Hi, I'm Marindy Leverett, accredited exercise physiologist and manager of the University of Southern Queensland Sport and Exercise Clinic. This series is about sharing with you mind and body health advice whilst you're stuck indoors during this period of social distancing and home isolation. Today's guest is Caitlin Isaac, Senior Safety Advisor at USQ. Caitlin is going to give you some tips on staying safe whilst exercising at home, including online classes and walking around your own town or suburb. So I suppose the most important thing is making sure you've got enough clear space to do what you want to do. And that comes into a risk assessment, really. We're going to risk assess the space that we're going to use to make sure that we are identifying any hazards that are present. So it could be things if you're exercising in your house, things like chairs, coffee tables, rugs, kids, toys, or the pets, um, they're all potential hazards. So we need to make sure that things like the floor mats or the rugs, they're not going to um, lift at the edges and cause you to trip um, when you're, you know, I don't know, dancing or whatever you might actually be doing. Well, that's a good example. My daughter's been doing dancing lessons online and I've had to roll the carpet out of the way so she doesn't trip so I'm sure that is exactly what people are doing there have been great examples online of people trying to exercise at home and pets interrupting them I guess the main thing would be is to maybe try and lock the pets up so they're not going to become a trip hazard or come and knock you over when you're trying to exercise yes or come and um, sit on you or unless you want that I mean some people might want the extra weight to lift I don't know (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing, making sure people have got a safe area in which to exercise. But I guess the other thing I've noticed too, that a lot of people are pulling out the old exercise equipment from the various places hidden amongst the house. So what are some tips for those looking um, to use that old equipment? What things should they be checking before they start using it? So doing that visual inspection is absolutely essential. And if you still have it, definitely have a look at that user manual for whatever machine you might have. Um, you might be lucky enough to get it on Google uh, if you're really lucky. I have found a few that way. Um, so things like elastic bands, we really need to make sure the material hasn't degraded or worn out to the point where it might actually break if we put pressure on it. When we're looking at machines, so things like treadmills, we need to make sure that belt is aligned correctly. It's the correct tension. We need to make sure the safety key is actually still in existence and the e-stop does work. For things with cables, so your weights, machines, rowing machines, anything like that, we need to make sure that cabling is in good condition. So making sure there's no fraying, kinks, making sure that it's running along its track smoothly and you're not having to stop, pull it even harder if it's stopping halfway. And the other thing is pins, little pins and things that are holding weights in at a certain level. Make sure they aren't rusted through and they're not going to break or something like that either. And there are, there is people out there who actually service fitness equipment. So if you're not comfortable doing it yourself, um, definitely engage a professional to do that for you. What about advice for those people who've not exercised before? So I guess they're now taking the opportunity, they're bored at home and thinking, well, I've done all the laundry or I've done all my crosswords. I might as well look at starting to do some exercise. What kind of advice can you provide before they start exercising? So I think the best step to do first is access a pre-exercise screening tool. Um, You can get them online. They're supported by Exercise Sports Science Australia and a number of other fitness associations. The other thing you can do if you really have no idea where to start, seek advice from an accredited exercise physiologist to help you begin that exercise journey safely. 
I think the key message to take away though is that if you haven't exercised before or if you're like me who is coming back to exercise after three months of not being able to, start slowly and build up over time. You'll reach your fitness goals faster as you're less likely to be injured. You're less likely to be as sore the next day. The last thing you want to do is, okay, well, I haven't exercised for the last six months. I'm going to go run 5K. (laughs) It's not going to be nice. (laughs) No, I can say I've had a few clients over the past who've got a little bit too motivated and then went, oh yeah, I tried to do a 5K run. Mm, No. (laughs) And then of course they're on their back for the rest of the week because they've, yeah have sore muscles that they didn't know they had. <laughs> yes. Much Next. better to do small bouts um, more often. What symptoms should people be looking for when they are exercising? So I guess these are things that might appear whilst they're exercising and indicate that they should cease immediately. Okay. So symptoms such as chest pain and unusual shortness of breath. So, you know, if you've done something last week and it didn't bother you, but it's bothering you now, that's definitely a Uh, symptom lightheadedness joint pain that doesn't actually go away as you continue to exercise those types of symptoms um, you really do need to stop exercising and go and speak with your gp as soon as possible the old fallacy in the old days was no pain no gain that is so untrue i guess some other things that people might not know are symptoms are things like dizziness feeling faint hot flushes, sweating. Like I've had some clients in the past who've just all of a sudden got this overwhelming sensation of feeling overheated. Again, Mm. we just say any symptom that's not normal for you should stop and seek medical attention. Yeah. It's much safer to get checked out. You know, it, it maybe it's nothing, but we'd much better to be sure. Should everyone have some kind of emergency plan especially I guess if they have a medical episode. So I know, and you probably know too, that people who have a chronic health condition such as asthma, um, angina, anything that's unstable, they have a health management plan that's issued by the hospital or their doctor and they're supposed to carry that on them at all times. People who don't have chronic health conditions, should they still have some kind of emergency plan in place so that if they should injure themselves or experience, you know, some kind of unusual symptoms that they then can seek help immediately if they can't, you know, drive themselves to the doctor, I guess. I guess something would be like someone with chest pain. Yes, I think that's an absolutely brilliant idea. Um, I think it's just really important that you and the other members of your household or your neighbours or whoever it might be know what to do in the event of a medical episode occurring. So they know what numbers to contact. They know your location. And it's really important that that plan is kept accessible and those members of your household um, know where to find it as well. Some people have the benefit of other people being at home. So in case they injure themselves or have a medical episode, they've got someone to call upon. But I guess thinking about people working from home, um, studying from home who might be living alone, what should they do in terms of if they should injure themselves or you know, experience a medical episode? I mean, ideally, you would have someone nearby or you'd be exercising with another person, but not everyone can do that. So it can simply be just arranging with a friend or a family member that you'll call or text them when you begin exercising and then again when you finish. It is important to let them know how long your exercise session will be so they can check in on you if you don't make contact in that time. 
So this is actually something that's really hit home for me um, because I often exercise and train my horse alone. My adjustment, there's, there's actually very few people around. So horse riding is naturally a high-risk activity. I've made an arrangement with my partner that if I'm not home and I haven't contacted him within, it's about two and a half hours and he needs to actually check on me. A lot of people have taken up bushwalking and walking in general. What are some tips that people need to be mindful of in terms of preparing for walking? Because I guess, yeah, we can just go straight out for a walk, but there's some things you really need to consider, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. So um, and one thing is like plan your route, actually understand where you're going to walk. If it's just around your block or it's a different street, um, get an understanding of what that terrain looks like as well. Um, Is it uneven ground? Is it level? Ideally, it's obviously always going to be safer to be on level ground walking on a pathway or a road. I know around my community, we all walk on roads because there are no paths. Um, And the cars are really good. They go around us. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you need to know if there's going to be uneven terrain, there's holes, there's, there's all of that stuff that you could potentially fall in. The other thing is, too, we need to make sure we are dressed for the occasion. So it's coming into winter. We need to make sure we've got that warmer clothing on, our appropriate footwear, um, a hat, sunglasses, sunscreen, depending on the time of day that you're walking. Um, Obviously, if you're walking in the um, low light hours or at night, definitely some sort of reflective clothing or a light or something that will actually show you to passers-by or vehicles so they don't hit you. That's always a good thing. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many people out. And oh, I, know, yeah. I notice it um, out in this community. It's probably a community you don't see many exercises. And now you're seeing them every day and there are a lot. But everyone's really good. They're, they're keeping, they might just be on the opposite sides of the road or there's plenty of space actually for them to be able to keep that distance. There are so many online videos and online classes being run by gyms and personal trainers at the moment. What should people be looking for to make sure that the exercise class or the exercise program they're watching is appropriate for them? So that's a really good point. There is so much available online, but the thing we all need to remember is most of them are aimed at the apparently healthy population. So anyone who does have a pre-existing medical condition, you know, they need to be careful. And I really think it's important that they are consulting with an accredited exercise physiologist as well as their GP just to make sure that the exercise programs and classes that they undertake are tailored to their specific needs and are going to be safe for them to do. I'm going to give a plug here for the USQ Sport and Exercise Clinic because we've been quite fortunate in the last week to have been asked by Arthritis Queensland to run a specific exercise class. It's not just for people with arthritis, but anyone who has a musculoskeletal injury. So it could be like yourself, Caitlin, or someone who has chronic knee pain, (laughs) (laughs) chronic back pain, where my students and I have been asked to run online classes. So we're actually starting that in the next week. Um, So I guess, yeah, it's talking to your GP or talking to an accredited exercise physiologist just to find out what is available and what is appropriate for your level of fitness. Exactly. It's it's really important that you do have a really good look at what's out there and and go through those trusted people and organisations that can help you. Another example is if you've got a 
a lung condition like pulmonary fibrosis or COPD or chronic asthma, um, Lungs in Action through the Lung Foundation is a good start. I don't know if they're offering them online at the moment. You've got the Heart Foundation walk groups. Again, they're not being run, but that's something that people can certainly look into. So yeah, if you've got a specific health condition, definitely check in with the association who might be relevant to you. So breast cancer, prostate cancer, Asthma Queensland, I think is another organization. There are many. Just find out if you don't talk to your GP or as we've said, accredited exercise physiologist. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you again. Caitlin and I go way back. So Caitlin was one of my (laughs) practicum students many, many moons ago. I can't even remember. It's too long ago, but it's great to see where you have got to these days and that you're now working at USQ in an OHS capacity. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Thanks. That was Caitlin Isaac, Senior Safety Advisor at USQ. If you know anyone who could make use of the information on this podcast, please tell them about it. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe now to the USQ podcast channel so that you automatically receive new episodes in your feed. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day.